What's up, everyone? It's it's never a bad day for uh, for long cut. It's not, man. It's for, not. And we always get a lot of questions. Or at least I do on my Instagram as far as like where that song come, comes from. And yep. true to our fashion, man, as far as like taking care of our circle or, or not forgetting where you come from. Uh, long cut. I was in the Marine Corps with those guys. Well, mm-hmm. with one of with JT, one of their mm-hmm. one of their lead guys, and they're back out on tour since COVID is all done, and they're able to to safely get back out there and crush, which is awesome. But shout out to those guys, man. They they do a great job, and I like that song because it has that just like that temperament, man, of just like um, gritty, gritty, or like yep. a dog, like a dog out, out out there, like in the fight. And I don't mean physically, but just man, the grit that it takes to to attack whatever you're doing, right? Yes. And like in real estate, we've got a huge pivot. That we're all in as far as like market adjustments, how you're staying on top as a professional, how you're building your brand and your network and keeping transactions going. And, and it leads us to a special guest today. Super special. Super special. He's silly enough to accept this. I don't know if someone like <laughs> accepted it for him and he didn't know he accepted it. But one somebody that we extremely look up to, extremely yeah. are fortunate with our with our careers um, since being over here at EXP. He is our he is our CEO and founder of VXP. That's right. That's right. And man, like he's, he's, he's very gracious. He's very humble. There hasn't been an event I've been to. He hasn't been at, there hasn't been a time he wasn't okay to shake my hand or answer my questions, whether he remembers me or not without mm-hmm. any people that he meets. But like, when you think about folks that are just really out there with their finger on the pulse, still navigating what we're doing in real estate right now and still making sure that it's getting paid forward and paving the way to not only and just sitting from the front man paving the way and in the marine corps that's a huge yeah. thing especially guys that served part of the two foreign wars you know just these past couple decades leading from the front at every rank regardless of rank is super important and i think that's the number one reason why i look up to this guy so much is because his consistency to mm-hmm. be that as a leader mm-hmm. glenn sanford how are you brother Hey, awesome. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on, Will. And uh, Eli. Yes, sir. Well. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, man. It was, it's fun, you know, because we, um, we've had a chance to just build and, and really, you know, dive into all of the strengths, all of the opportunities that EXP, you know, has to offer. And, and before we get to that, you know, just through the show, in your own words, just letting everybody know, you know, like who you are. And then just most importantly, you know, like your literal day one dollar dollar zero. Did this start in real estate? Was it something prior? Like, what do you feel like? Have you had a rock bottom in life before, or at least like a um, like a rock start, like a dirt start from nothing? Like, who is Glenn? Where did he start? What's that all about? Yeah, so um, you know, starting out, you know, I can go back all the way to literally when I was born, fifty six years ago, and and change. Um, I was born in Northern Alberta. Um, my, my parents were, uh, you know, struggling like uh, a lot of, a lot of folks back in the day. We, we had a single white manufactured home and, and, uh, the property that they, that we lived on was, uh, it was homestead property. So you basically, if you set up shop, you live there five years, you get the property for, for, for free kind of deal. Wow. Just got to take care of it. So, so that was, uh, you know, they moved up from Northern California and, uh, and that was where they kind of set up, uh, set up initially, and then moved to uh, uh, British Columbia. Uh, pulled that house with us behind a, a truck, and uh, parked it in a trailer park in uh, in Abbotsford, British Columbia. And then uh, my dad was a bit of an entrepreneur. He he'd actually been in the Air Force as a police officer, and then he kind of got into entrepreneurship. And uh, um, in a fairly short period of time, he and my uncle cobbled together about $8,000 and they bought a a 50% interest in a granola manufacturing company. 
um, partially because they were in the honey business in in Alberta, and so you know honey is an ingredient that goes into granola. And um, from uh, nineteen uh, well nineteen seventy one to nineteen seventy eight, they grew it from uh, what was uh, an eight thousand dollar investment to a company that they ultimately sold to Kellogg's for I think three or four million dollars. So which was big big money back then. I mean that was when you know, four million dollars actually was a was a was a big number. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so um, that was just prior to. Uh, well, we moved to Oklahoma, I think, in 1979, 1980, and they were they took all that money. My dad took all his money. My uncle didn't, but he took all that money and put it in the oil and gas business and lost everything. Uh, um, and so we went from rags to riches, sort of almost back to rags again. I mm-hmm. kind of expected that parents would pay for college. And I didn't have to have great grades. I didn't need to do the scholarship <laughs> thing or any of that stuff. And as a result, I wasn't the best student and uh, ended up uh, uh, dropping out of school, moving back to Pacific Northwest. They, they'd moved back, moved from Oklahoma to Washington State while I was in university and uh, and then kind of bounced around here, learned, learned uh, sales and marketing to try to uh, make a living. And so I'd served, sold Kirby vacuum cleaners door to door, was a stockbroker at one point for a while sold yellow page advertising, sold timeshares, sold cars. I mean, I was a lot of, on the sales side, but also as a geek, my, my dad during, well, he was uh, successful. Uh, he bought me a uh, Apple II computer back in mm-hmm. late 1977, early 1978. And, uh, and so I was also a geek. I, I ended up uh, programming. I started a a software company. I can't really say it was a for-profit company because I didn't get paid traditionally. I got paid in, in all the sodas and chips I could, you know, consume. <laughs> um, and, but I wrote some actually pretty cool software when I was, uh, you know, fifteen years old. And then, um, uh, and and then, you know, I had that background and uh, kind of combined the two backgrounds: sales and marketing and business and technology. When I was about 28, 29 years old, and Ever since I've been involved in some capacity of using technology and you know more traditional sales and marketing uh, entrepreneurship to to build businesses, so that's kind of been my background. Um, started seventeen different companies over my career. Only a couple of them have had any sort of uh, uh, you know success. Uh, obviously, EXP has been like like the home run of home runs, but uh, but I'm an entrepreneur at heart. That's kind of what I enjoy doing. I'd I'd rather be a broke entrepreneur than um, somebody who actually gets a gets a salary and a paycheck. Right, agreed. Mm-hmm. That's Eli as well. You know, like um, Eli's had like seventeen different companies. One, <laughs> no, maybe, one of them, when he four. was like a sushi waiter, he'd also like in between like waiting tables would run upstairs and like vacuum and shampoo <laughs> people's carpets in that building. Right. Something so I feel like, like if you Something knew like Glenn, because Kirby vacuums are extremely legit i've got a couple buddies that sold those back in the day yeah man and i've got they've got some great like door-to-door sales just stories was there anything ever crazy or unique or profound that happened door-to-door selling kirby's at all well the profound part for me was i was committed to learning the 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 craft of sales um but i was eight 18 years old maybe um maybe 19 I, I, I was right, right in there. And for the first couple, three months, I sucked. I mean, I didn't, I didn't sell a single machine, but I went, I, I did what we call pre-carding, which is knocking on doors and basically 
uh, offering people a chance to win free groceries or steak knives or or a carpet deep clean. Um, and, uh, and and so we just you know gather the info, we give them back to basically an ISA that would set appointments, and then we go out and do two demos of the machine. So that was kind of the the deal. And uh, um, finally, I actually learned how to sell. And 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 then I I was like the top salesman mm-hmm. at Kirby Vacuum Cleaners at the at the local office. And so I sold I don't know, fourteen machines in a month, which is a lot. That's like a machine every two days. It means you're basically selling one of every four or five demos. You're actually selling a machine. So so it was really um, uh, so I did really well. But then the challenge was we were selling the machine for about a thousand dollars. Um, and if you got all the accessories, about twelve hundred fifty bucks. And this is in whatever nineteen eighty six, so eighty five, eighty six, someplace in there. Um, and uh, and and the you know, but we got those closing techniques down. I mean, it was totally manipulative sales closing techniques. But I was a kid; I didn't. You know, it's, it was kind of kind of a thing. But I thought the machines were amazing. So I felt like I was using something to help somebody get what they wanted, that they, what they should get. But once I heard what my boss bought the machines for, and I overheard what he paid for the machines, all of a sudden the value of the machines went completely in the toilet. I couldn't sell another single machine. Really? So I, I, yeah. So I learned very quickly that if I don't believe, if I believe in the product, I can sell it. But as soon as I don't believe in the product, there's no way I can I can sell it. So I, that was a really formative piece that I that I that I learned, which is how do you truly become uh, obsessed with the value of the product that you are taking to market? If you can't get obsessed about that, then don't sell it to begin with, because that will make all the difference of being able to be a good salesperson and not a good salesperson. I feel. Man, I feel like we've done a lot of that too, because like you know, everybody has their their version of agent attraction and, and just systems and processes. And I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit because we're going to talk about your your gateway into real estate and tech, and, and then how how EXP got created. But the first two years, Elon and I literally, when we first got here, it was creating systems and processes for ourselves that we needed personally, in addition to everything EXP already had to offer. And I remember mm-hmm. e, I remember Eli pretty much saying like, man, this is like a broker in a box. Brokerage in a box. Brokerage yeah, yeah. in a box. Yeah. Like why would anybody be an independent broker or or a franchise owner? We're like, we've got all of this here. We were communicating with everybody at all hours of the nights if it were needed. We had communication that was down. And then we did start, you know, uh, creating some systems and processes for, for us directly just for what we needed. But that, man, like that let us get extremely, you know, obsessed, which then led to our third year being here, the start of it. I feel like a a lot of why we gained so much traction so quickly is that obsession and that belief. And then also just the knowledge and understanding of like how to use everything, where everything is, who's who, where they're at. And then us just being a product of our own within EXP, allowing people to latch onto that. I feel like, man, there's just so much truth behind some of that. And I feel a lot of times people might get into sales first for the sake of a sale mm-hmm. versus the belief in something in the relationship of what you can obtain with who you're speaking to. Yeah. And you know, and the reality is you can, you can, you can get into sales either way, right? You right. can mm-hmm. get into sales because you fall in love with a product and you say, Hey, everybody needs to have this product. And just for, with passion and enthusiasm, you can be a great salesperson with the product you love, um, and, and and then the other side of it is is that uh, you can um, 
you can cut your teeth on sales on stuff. Maybe you don't know and love, but you, um, but you learn the scripts, the dialogues, the tactics, the, uh, the strategies. And so you get to approach it from a different perspective. Uh, you get to, to approach it from, um, you know, the, the student of, of being a great salesperson. Uh, whereas I think a lot of times if you're just super passionate, you don't, you miss an opportunity to actually, uh, you create a really good understanding of the, of the process of actually selling mm-hmm. something like what is, you know, how do you build rapport? Uh, how do you ask probing questions? How do you o- ask open-ended questions? When to ask open-ended versus closed-ended questions? Um, you, you know, how to lead somebody uh, down a path now, and hopefully it's for something that that they already want to do. But you know, learning all of that stuff is super important because it, it increases your effectiveness. So whether you start one way or the other, at some point you have to sort of combine both of those, which is you'll be really focused on being really good at sales and being, you know, selling something that you're really passionate about. Agreed. Is there anything you feel like in, in sales out of everything that you've mentioned and then everything, you know, that you did, like when you said you started selling and you were one of their top salesmen, right? Was there anything that stood out that was an outlier, a, a skill set, a quality or something that you learned then? And even now, is there anything that drastically stands out as far as what makes someone transcendent when it comes to being a salesman? Saleswoman, uh, I think it's really just um, add value. Like the, the the reality is, is that the product itself is sort of almost secondary to the service that you provide as an as an individual. So if you think about the idea that you, you everybody can sell any like every product's available to be sold in some capacity, but they're really buying you. Um, as the salesperson, and the reason why they're buying you is because you're bringing something intangible to the, t- to the table that helps them in ways that somebody else doesn't help them. So the the idea that you're adding value, you're helping them solve a problem, helping them understand, give them a competitive advantage in the marketplace um, with whatever their business is uh, or whatever their thing is. You know, you, you need to bring something to the table other than just the product or the service. You have to bring you and you have to actually sell, you know, the, the fact that you're going to actually be part of the equation when they choose to to buy or sell with you. So whatever, and again, it doesn't matter what the product or service is. If you're not bringing value, you're going to, you're, you're not going to sell that much. But if you bring a ton of value, you're going to sell a lot. So the, the more that you can bring value to that relationship, that's more than the product or service, then then you're going to win. Love it. Yeah. And as far as like the, the the real estate side, so leading into that, you you were diving into some tech and doing those things. Where did the real estate side come for you? Because you were also licensed. Uh, you're also licensed in real estate as well. So there was a beginning for you where you were actually transactional. Yeah. So uh, I got into real estate weird in a strange way compared to most people. I bought a bunch of real uh, domain names when I, so I was a tech guy. And in about 1997-ish, um, I bought all of the local dom- uh, city names followed by the, the .net in, in our local area. And so I was trying to market it to some real estate brokerages. And actually one brokerage basically hired me to be the tech guy for a bit in 97. And anyway, they, they weren't paying me very much. And you know, was they kind of wanted me to be a salesperson, but um, I really don't count that as being in in real estate sales because they wanted me to do 
all the T1s and all the tech and all of this and all that. So, but I, I went off to do a couple other things. I started a company called eShippers.com in 1998, uh, which was an outsourced e-commerce logistics company. We raised a couple million dollars for it just before the dot-com collapse, and then we cratered it. We needed about 40 million more to actually do that business. And uh, uh, and so in 2002, uh, after sort of licking my wounds, I, I had in the interim taken one of those websites and actually built uh, actually two of those websites and built Chamber of Commerce websites that I did for free for, for Chambers of Commerce because I thought, well, why wouldn't you want to have your city name be the Chamber of Commerce? And so so I, I did that. And both of those chambers around the same time gave me those domains back because um, somebody else said, hey, I can build you a better chamber site. Um, and, and, and they wanted to charge money and I was doing it for free. It was sort of just kind of my way of being connected to the community. Uh, while I was doing my startup, uh, and uh, so I said, "Okay, I've got all these web- these two websites with great traffic. Why don't I start to sell ads on them?" And so I sold an ad to a local real estate agent, and uh, and he he said he asked me to work on his website, which I did. And I was charging him sixty bucks an hour. He was a top agent in our local market, uh, and then he said, "What you need to get your real estate license?" And I wasn't super excited because you know I'd been a little bit around this the business nice. Seven, but I, I said, Hugh, I, I'm not going to get my license. Um, nobody makes any biz- money their first couple of years in the business. That was my perception. And and he said, Well, what's it going to take? And I said, I don't know. Guarantee me three grand a month. And he's and I literally was. I had this oh crap moment because I I gave him a number which I thought wasn't totally unreasonable, but I thought he would say no to. And and then he said yes. And then I'm like, oh crap. So then I said, <laughs> Well, well, if I'm if I'm going to get in the business, I'm just going to do the online side because I've got you know strong internet marketing background. Uh, I'll um, I just want to work with clients on the online. I'm not going to wear a realtor pin at the grocery store. I'm not going to cost my friends and family. I'm not going to do open houses. Wow. And I was expecting that he was going to say, uh, "No, you you need to do some of these other things." And, I, I, and that was going to be my get out of jail free card. And he said, "Fine, fine, fine, fine." So so then thirty days later. I hadn't got licensed yet, and Hugh uh, reached out to me, or I reached out to him, because I'm still working on his website and doing other stuff, uh, but he goes, go ahead, why don't you have your real estate license? And I, I said, Hugh, I got paid $60 an hour to do website development work. And he said, uh, "He said, um, I'll pay you $60 an hour to study for your darn license, go get licensed. So <laughs> so I got, awesome. I got for, for, for 60 bucks an hour, for a 60-hour course, I ended up doing it. I'm like, heck, I, he's paying me 60 bucks an hour, I'm gonna, I'm going to do it. And it also, he had made an investment in me, so it really helped. It was really kind of a unique place to be because um, being an entrepreneur, business person, a lot of times I take the investments that other people make in me more seriously sometimes than the, than the investments that I make in myself. So if I start a business and you know if there's a priority from somebody else, I'll sometimes drop that and work on that versus the, the, the other piece. But I, I that helped me get really focused and so I ended up uh, getting my license on April 29, 2002. Um, ended up being Rookie of the Year that year um, at the office. I sold 17 properties just to clients I met online. Wow. Uh, 2003, I ended up being the number one buyer's agent, number three in the office. Um, did, uh, I think it was $7.3 million in production. Uh, average price point in our county was about 200 and 200,000, 220,000. So, you know, and, but I ended up getting a number of fairly large deals in that. So 
think I only I sold about 25 properties that year. Uh, and then we had a two-year deal and uh, at the end of uh, that, which ended in, in April of, uh, of 2004, um, I wanted to start a team because I was actually generating leads now in multiple markets around the country, um, actually primarily the Pacific Northwest, but I was uh, um, uh, generating leads and I was like, I need to start a team. And so then I went to Keller Williams uh, and by 2006, um, I actually started um, six different real estate teams and I was in the top 50 nationally with Keller. So that was kind of my, my early stage, went independent in 2007 with a company called Buyer Tours Realty. I uh, had a great 2007, did uh, I think 73 million in production. In 2008, we were on track to do over 100 million, which, you know, that was, which were crazy numbers back then. Now there's, yeah. a, you know, 100 million is a pretty mid-level team nowadays, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but then, you know, 100 million, that was huge numbers for, for a team-based um, structure. Uh, and then the second half of 2008 happened and Changed uh, everything because four offices had just three. Um, went to the skeleton crew on the fourth, and I think one of the one of the questions m- might have been, you know, challenges. You know, that, that uh, I, we went through that was a huge challenge. That was like that was like almost a that was a day one dollar zero kind of kind of deal for us uh, because we we literally uh, had to raise money to get into two thousand nine, and then eventually you know got to the point where we started EXP. Right. How do you, and when you, when you talk about raising money, is there any specifics as far as like how you go about raising money and what are you raising it for and, and how do you articulate that to whoever you're, you're raising money from? There is. Yeah. Well, I, fortunately I'd been a stockbroker at one time. Um, I used to do investor relations work for, for, for public companies. I, I actually, you know, raised money for various different projects over, over the years. Um, and um, in 2008, I, you know, I basically looked at the assets that I had, uh, and I had, um, you know, a lot of top ranked websites around the country. So I had the number one website for Las Vegas real estate for Phoenix real estate, number two for Phoenix real estate, number one for Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, um, real estate. So I had all these, these highly ranked domains. And so I basically raised money, um, against the revenue streams of those, uh, domains. That's what I did. Mm. Cause I'm like, what the heck is somebody, why is somebody going to give me money in a really crappy market? So I had to figure <laughs> out a way to create an asset almost out of nothing uh, and say, okay, well, I got these domain names that are performing really well. So I created subscription agreements and I'm sure I was not compliant in any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but it was a, it was a, it was a friends and family round uh, where we're, you know, and, but I, you know, quickly raised, you know, $150,000 and, and, uh, and by the way, every single person obviously is very happy because that ultimately rolled in and became, uh, it, um, uh, we converted to EXP equity right. and, and that, uh, that worked out well. With, um, with you being so successful at, at, um, at Keller Williams and, and everything that you were doing there, was there any, any words spoken to you? Did, did you ever like meet Gary Keller himself or have a relationship there? And then when you decided to leave, Keller Williams, was there, was there any, um, what were the, were there words of encouragement? Were there words of doubt? Um, like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Or, Hey, call me in 12 months when you're not, when you're not winning. Like, what did that look like when you decided to branch off and do your own thing? Yeah. So I was, uh, I was highly profiled by Keller 
in their internet lead gen masterminds um, and, and their courses that they built in 2005, six, seven. Uh, it's interesting that the person who was actually um, involved in building a lot of that curriculum, a guy named Brian Ellington, he's actually has his, he has his license at EXP now, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So he was actually at KWRI corporate. Um, and, uh, uh, Gary, Gary I, and I chatted a couple times. Um, and so the, uh, uh, and, and I was, I was at a number of his, his events that he, his team invited me to and be part of, and I was on panels and, and that type of thing. My, my favorite person, um, at the time was Dave Jenks. Uh, Dave, if you ever had a chance to see him, he was a very no nonsense. This is how you build the business. This is how you do great business. And, and he really, it really spoke to me, um, in terms of just, just as an entrepreneur, he was very, very no nonsense. So. But I did, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Gary. But when, when I left, uh, the ironic part was that I was scheduled to actually um, have a call with Dave Jenks and Gary Keller. Uh, it was on on my calendar even before I technically left. And I I said, guys, I'm I'm getting ready to go independent, so I don't want to waste your time and or my time having a conversation because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. So I didn't have the that any, any a more formal conversation around. Um, you know, what they could do for me or any, you know, one-on-one coaching or any of that stuff. Um, and, and, and obviously there's been a lot of unique stuff said about EXP since um, from, from that camp. Uh, but it is, you know, that's, that's just competitors talking about competitors and trying to, trying to do the stuff that competitors do. But uh, I, I have nothing but uh, great things to say about my, my interactions with Gary and, 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 and Keller Williams, it was a great place for me to be a part of. It's, uh, you know, it's a company that, uh, um, you know, I think is still, uh, if I think about companies that are going to be out there for a long time as big major players in the industry, Keller's going to be there, EXP is going to be there, and there's a couple other companies that will be there. But uh, it's going to be a small, small group of companies that's going to dominate the industry over the next 10, 15 years. There's just a be- there's just a better way to do it, you know. Now, just because there's a better way to do it doesn't mean that necessarily everybody's doing it right. But we've even noticed, you know, just you know from the bird's eye view that we have, we're starting to see more. I guess you can call it modern style, you know, brokerage design, EXP style brokerages opening up. You're seeing more of that than you're seeing traditional franchises or traditional brokerages, you know, popping up. But hey, doesn't necessarily mean you know, all of them are two and the same and we'll kind of get to that as well. But on, on your start with EXP, when you decided to take that money, roll it into EXP, what was, what was that day one dollar zero? What was that vision? What was that start? And where did this thought of, Hey, we can do better by agents. We can promote agents. We can support agents. We can also, you know, pretty much cut everything out of the middle and, and allow a direct relationship from brokerage to agent. Everything mm-hmm. that we have here, like, where did like, is it a romantic story? Like you were, you were out on one of your jogs and the sun was rising and you're coming around the corner and you just had an epiphany or like, was this, this, I mean, was it just, did these thoughts and ideas evolve over time just based off of your context within the business? I mean, where did this formulate from thought? And then also, I guess my second question to that would be, how did then you take that into fruition? Yeah. So, um, um, and it's not meant to be a dig on KW, but you know, I I spent a fair bit of time during my three years at KW building out their profit share system. I, I, you know, what I I was when I was attracted to KW, 
it was because I was a really good internet lead gen guy. I was building multiple teams or I wanted to build multiple teams. And so uh, I'm like, heck, I'm generating leads. I can recruit agents to these leads and they can be put their license at Keller Williams. And eventually as, as things mature, I'll build my retirement plan. And so that was kind of one of the, the big things for me. And so I had 184 people in my profit share group um, in 2006 is what I, what I ended at. And when I got my 1099 in, in, in 2007 on the 184 people, I found out that I only had earned about $6,000. Six? And, and so for me, I'm like 6000 oh, Yeah. Ouch. And you didn't yeah, kill anybody. So you never served office. time in prison. Like, there's no alleged like murder cases on you. No, none. <laughs> no one got killed. <laughs> no, no. Well, I just I literally walked back to the office after getting picking up my 1099, and there was a couple of guys in the office, and I said I was I was pretty pretty pissed off at the moment. And this was this became kind of the beginning of the end for me. But I just said, if, guys, if we ever build a company, we're going to do revenue share, not profit share. Mm. And and I said, you know, if we if we cre- if we can create a revenue share plan, uh, um, and my my following was uh, even a re- just a just a reasonable management team will figure out a way to at least break even, and and then the revenue share would take care of you know whoever myself others et cetera. So that was kind of kind of one of the formative pieces. Uh, obviously, we went independent. Uh, but we just ran a team-based brokerage in 2007, eight um, into nine. But in February 2009, I got rid of all my offices because of the because of the downturn in the economy. Uh, we had just a small single office for accounting and bookkeeping in 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 Bellingham, uh, and uh, we we pulled a team leader mastermind together in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I had an agent who just literally was kind of always always complaining about something and always wanted something else from, 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 from us and a decent agent, but just was always loud. And so she, she was like, like, when do we get our offices back? That was kind of her thing. And she kept on asking that. And I finally just said, we're not getting our offices back. Um, We have to figure out a defensible business model that's not dependent on bricks and mortar. And, and I just said it to shut her up. Mm -hmm. And, and then, um, and then I'm like, that's actually a really good idea, you know, because <laughs> in, awesome. in, in, in 2009, um, we finally had high-speed internet pretty much everywhere. You know, you had 3G on your phones, you had cable internet in houses around, you know, most uh, houses in the United States. And, and uh, the reason why you had to go to an office in 2002 is because that's where the high-speed internet was. I mean, if you wanted to upload photos to the MLS, if you wanted to do searches, you want to print stuff out, you want to do stuff in some reasonable period of time, so either you do it at home on your 28 baud modem, 28k baud modem, or 56k if you got a faster one, and uh, uh, and it still it takes a bit of work to, and, and time to do all that. And uploading to to the internet on your your dial-up connection was you know like watching paint dry. Uh, so, but in by 2009, uh, we actually had you know decent internet pretty much everywhere. So it's like we really don't need to go to an office. Uh, We've been running our team-based brokerage without an office. Deals were getting closed, all that type of stuff in, in 2009. And, uh, and, but we, but I was traveling a little bit, flying back and forth to Arizona. So I was, uh, I was thinking, how do I build this in such a way where I don't have to get on a plane um, to go and build these real estate teams. And, and so I'd learned some lessons around the fact that there are two teams that did really well 
Bellingham, Washington, and Phoenix, Arizona. And those are the two places I like to spend the most time in. In the winter, I was in Arizona, and in the summer, I was in the Pacific Northwest. But we had teams in Nashville, in Las Vegas, in, in um, Long Beach, California, in Portland, Oregon, even Seattle, which was only a couple hours away. Uh, I didn't like going to Seattle that much. It was a, kind of more of a pain to go to Seattle. And uh, and so I was like, distributing leadership is a really key component. And so then it was like, how do we uh, how do we build collaboration and community in such a way that I don't have to jump on a plane to build this stuff? And so then we started to look at, you know, what are the technologies that are out there? And that's actually why we operate EXP Realty inside of a metaverse. I mean, we, we didn't call it that. We called we call it a virtual world for work back in 2009. Um, but we do that because I figured we needed to give people a place to go to work uh, and uh, at a place where we could have water cooler conversations and run into people and, and, and sort of brainstorm on stuff without it being um, more scheduled uh, the way even uh, Zoom meetings and, and, and at that time Skype meetings were done. And so that's where we kind of did that. And then just said, okay, here, what would be all the ingredients that if I was an agent, um, which obviously still was licensed, but if I was an agent, that would make me willing to untether myself from a physical office and be part of uh, of a virtual company. And so better splits, lower caps, and then, and then well, we're saving money running the brokerage. We can also build a revenue share model. And everybody else who had done a virtual brokerage prior to EXP, and there are a few that had tried, tried doing a virtual brokerage, they all basically were just these low-cost, low-transaction fee brokerages. And they were basically shopping, trying to price, just use price as the only reason why people would come. But they lacked and I, value. And the way I thought about it is... Yeah. Yeah, what's that? But they lacked yeah. the value, right? Like they were, they were, they were doing exactly. this race to the bottom as far as like letting agents keep all their money, which is cool. But in reality, agents don't just need to keep all their money; like they need the value as far as like what a brokerage could possibly provide for them. Oh, for sure, and and that's what that was really the the, the thought process. Like, does somebody just need a cheaper brokerage to hang their license at? I mean, sure, some do, and 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 there, you know, there's there's a lot of people that are 100 percent brokerages, and, and that's all that's all fine, but. Uh, I thought about me being somebody who is good with people, love to, to 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 do the recruiting and attraction side, and I said, you know, we we should be able to build a model where agents can actually go and build a brokerage inside the brokerage, mm -hmm. and and if we don't have physical offices, then getting licensed in different you know MLSs in different states and all this other stuff, we don't have any of the overhead that is a typical bricks and mortar company. So we just there were just so many compelling reasons to to go this direction in the model, and the other piece that I always thought about was, unless you're doing something fundamentally different than the industry at large, you're never going to actually get anything more than industry players get, as a general rule, based on sort of just their you know growth trajectories, et cetera. You can't uh, you know out hustle a company who's been around for a, for fifty years or a hundred years. Uh, doing the exact same model that they've already sort of been doing. So th then it was like, this is a new model. Uh, this could really get some legs. And if it gets some legs, who knows? We could potentially be a, a big player in the industry. So that was a, another part of why we, we went the direction we did. Right. And as far as like the metaverse, you know, and hey, shout out to like like the Ryan Serhant of the world. I think I heard Ryan Serhant say like he, he had just created like the first Metaverse for real estate. Did he, did he call it I'm that? like, I'm like, no, bro, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, you didn't. did not. Uh, was it was it profound when you were making this metaverse? Was 
did people really understand like what you were doing or, or were people really understanding, you know, like what you were onto? Because now that, you know, Facebook is now meta and we've got some mm-hmm. friends that are in the hierarchy of like Facebook with as far as like everything that they're doing. But now that you've got the metaverse itself, I mean, are people just now kind of like catching on to how powerful it is as far as like the community that you created and the, the capability of being able to do that in house online in the cloud like that? Yeah. I mean, we, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people using um, these types of technologies. Most of them are using them as just to try out as opposed to going all in. Um, uh, for us, we went all in day one and, and we licensed something off the shelf. It was you know, relatively inexpensive. Um, we didn't build our own metaverse platform, but by 2018, we bought the single largest enterprise metaverse company that existed um, in, in 2018. So, um, and that was Verbella. And, uh, and so we bought them uh, because uh, there was no way that they were going to survive on just the SaaS revenue we were paying them. And so, so we said, okay, we 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 need to buy you so we can help guide the the product roadmap, and then um, and then and then just make sure it continues to mature because it's such an enabling technology for us um, that that for us it just made sense to own. Um, yeah. When you guys when you first started, the, so those first couple of years of EXP, what did growth look like? What was what was the agent attraction like? Where was the value at? Like, was it off to a fast start, slow start? I mean, what what was it? What were those first couple of years for you? Yeah, it was definitely a slow slow start for us. Um, you know, when I say slow, we never had a month where we had fewer agents than we had the month before. We had a couple months where we were exactly the same number of agents, um, but we we you know by 2012, 2013, we were like 300, 250, 300 agents. So. Um, you know, so fair number of years, you know, into the future that we were, we were, we were still fairly small, but we had decided that we were going to become a public company in 2012. So we actually bought a public shell, merged ourselves into it so we could share equity with our agents and brokers. And that's when growth really took off. That's when, you know, the, the Gene Fredericks of the world and, and, and others you know, really started to see it. So we started to attract a different category of agent, team leader, uh, you know, broker agent to, to the platform. Uh, but in the early stages, we had a lot of people that said, man, this was, they've been waiting for a company like EXP to show up. Just the fact that we're using sort of bleeding edge technology yeah. that people could see like in the future, we would be using some metaverse. I mean, now, of course, of course, Mark Zuckerberg saying, I'm going to spend billions on this proving that I'm, that he's right. I still think he's a little too early for what he's trying to do, mm-hmm. but um, he's going to be building a lot of the future plumbing of what the metaverse looks like in, you know, in five to 10 years. I bet, you know, and like mm-hmm. something that was fun for us is like, when you say like, Hey, a lot of realtors, you know, were just kind of like ready for something like that. And I think all of us really, as you start getting a certain to a certain level of production and just really trying to focus on efficiency, you start seeing the qualities, you know, said such. And I think, you know, sometimes trials and tribulations can then expose how proficient you can be 
when you're kind of forced upon that or you need mm -hmm. to then be that way, which leads me to COVID. Yeah. Because we were we were joining EXP just prior and then right into COVID. And this is when we were building, you know, the, the, the framework to our YouTube channel and everything we were going to do there. But then just the capabilities we had as far as like the technology within our, our brokerage. But what I also saw was a huge influx of curiosity from agents. And then when they were forced to be more proficient and they could prove to themselves that you don't need a boardroom, yep. you don't need this, you don't need that. Matter of fact, most of your agents that go into the office all day, every day and have the most questions are a lot of times your least productive agent in the first place. Mm -hmm. You started realizing how fast you could move. Was there, was there from your view as well, like when COVID, you know, and obviously COVID not, not a great thing, obviously for, for huge reasons, but as far as like, how it kind of like forced people to sink or swim. The ones that were really trying to stay after it and get after it, they they realized how efficient they could be through this model. What did you see from your side as far as like the influx and the proficiency and just momentum of everyone gravitating to like EXP during the yes, COVID time? It's a great question. Yeah, well, we had already proven that you could run an entirely cloud-based residential real estate brokerage uh, but there were obviously a lot of agents and broker owners and others that said it couldn't be done. It still didn't make sense. It was a, it was a, um, you know, it was just a shiny object that wouldn't work long term. There was a lot of that. But obviously, when people can't go to the physical office and they don't know how long they're not going to be able to go to physical office. I mean, we, 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 some some people were thinking we'd still be sort of in this very COVID-like environment today, mm -hmm. uh, and and so. You know, once you start to go that direction, um, then you go, okay, I need to be somewhere that's efficient at running a virtual real estate broker. And so EXP was definitely a beneficiary of, of that. Um, it's quite frankly a beneficiary of the housing market slowing down right now, too. Um, there's a lot of, you know, physical bricks and mortar based real estate companies um, that, you know, are going to go out of business in this next, in this current downturn. Um, and, and the agents are going to be looking at, you know, where, uh, if you're making fewer commissions or if your commissions are down 20, 25, 30% year over year, you're going, how do I make more money? And they're, so they're going to start to question what the value of their, uh, shingle is that they're getting from their, from their brand is, you know, is Sotheby's actually getting me more money or is Compass or is Remax or is Keller or whatever. And, and in most cases, they really can't attribute much in the way of, of actual business coming from that. So then the question is, okay, if I'm doing all the work and I'm getting all the business, then where can I maximize my opportunities? So I think there's, you know, we're, we're in this, this point in time where I think we're going to also see growth and market share continue to be really good. Even if our agent count doesn't go up that much, uh, there'll be a lot of agents leaving the business. And so that'll, that'll translate into, to, the market share. Right. Please. I feel like we've had a lot of agent growth just in this past year, a lot because agents that were deciding to stay in the real estate started realizing, okay, but if I'm going to stay in, I've got to get around the right people yeah, that can get, help me train. Training. And the one, you know, another great thing about like with us being with EXP is it's worth your time as a leader to pour in and train as many people as possible because of mm -hmm. how well it scales. Yep. It's actually worth your time, you know, yep. and just some great things. Like when we owned a team, you know, like you have a team of 14 or 20 or 30, the worst thing that could happen to you is you start training agents that become nines and tens. 
as far as like, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how proficient they are, because a lot of your go-getters, they're going to end up leaving that team because they yep. want to create a team for themselves. Yep. And then once they do that, there's no longer a leadership relationship or, or anything else, right? So it expires and you have this revolving door of people coming and going versus, you know, the model that we're in now, like no one ever has to leave you regardless of what level they achieve. There's always something for them to do. And I know we're getting close on time. Uh, if you're okay with it, I've got, man, just, just two more questions for you. If you've got, if you still have a couple minutes, Glenn. Sure. So yeah, I just bought a couple extra minutes. So. Oh, awesome. awesome. Thank you. So I'm and Eli jump in if, if yep, you've okay. got anything, but I'm, I'm so curious as to like, what's most, you know, now that we're in this phase of like, you know, you still clearly you're still approaching every day. Like it's day $1.00. You're still approaching every day. Like it's your start. And it is very apparent, even from our level with what we observe when it comes to you, even the things you share on your Instagram, your thoughts during your, you know, your runs and things like that. What do you feel is most important for you as far as the position that you're in and, and what you're doing? And then to marry up with that question, where are we headed as an organization? Yeah. So, um, one, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm in, in, in like ways, I'm in the best shape of my life. So we, you know, when we talk about health and other things, um, you know, I've really been focused a lot on, you know, really, you know, dialing in a number of things there. Uh, that has created a ton of, of, you know, extra, we'll call it extra energy for being an entrepreneur. And, and I actually last year, uh, embrace the idea of being an entrepreneur um, as opposed to uh, looking at societal norms of things I should be doing, you know, and, and so for me, it's like, I just want to be a competitor at a high level, help, help everybody else compete and continue to iterate and build on, on the agent value proposition. Um, you know, so, you know, that's one of the reasons why I took back the, uh, the CEO role of EXP Realty is because I think there, when I was thinking about, um, uh, you know, how can I make the biggest impact in helping agents grow their businesses, uh, being more visible uh, for me was one of them. Uh, so I think the the, the key is, is uh, we want to help agents, you know, grow large businesses um, or small businesses. And it's really up to the agent what they want to build, but we want to be the platform that they build on. And we just want to make sure that we're, we're doing things that help them build, whether it be inspiration and motivation from things like our ownership of success magazine or it's more tactical as to what you actually do for prospecting and lead gen and lead conversion and automation and all that type of stuff uh, or it's about you know making sure that we're supporting the community at large and getting people together so that we can you know collaborate and work and, and build unique interesting businesses on the exp platform um you know we're really well positioned uh, to form really crazy cool partnerships. I mean, you could uh, and you know come up with an idea that could that that would work really dovetail really well with the nationwide network that EXP has developed. Got some really cool stuff we're going to roll out and announce in the next uh, couple of weeks that I think you know will blow you away. That couldn't be done by anybody else unless they had sort of the the tech stack and tool set and agent base and aligned compensation that EXP has. Uh, so for me, I, you know, I want to just, you know, bring those messages out, mm -hmm. share as best I can. Um, and, and then shifting my focus from one-on-one -on -one conversations to more conversations that are one to many, which is, you know, why this podcast made a lot of sense. It's like, I, 
know, in this podcast where this is a one to many kind of mm-hmm. kind of exercise because you guys are you know leveraging it. So I'm looking for all kinds of ways to leverage, and of course, hopefully others see that if um, if I'm doing it, that there are probably ways to apply those same ideas uh, and strategies to whatever business that they're trying to do in real estate or otherwise. Right. And it matters. It's important, you know, cause we've got, there's, there's some really big players at EXP with, with networks Huge. as far as 10,000, 20,000 yep. agents. And even though we're rapidly growing and we've got an impressive, I guess I, I could say like a, an impressive rate, we're still, you know, not very large. So the fact that you're able to come on and listen to our podcast, we can chop this up, use it for content, use it to educate realtors mm-hmm. that are out there. You know, it's huge, man. And we're going to have your social media on the links for the podcast as well. We'll make sure you get some of this. And as far as somebody wanting to see you in person and see you speak, I know you are everywhere all the time. I think I saw you in two different places at the same time. I think <laughs> you were in Florida and Arizona at the same time. If someone wanted to come by in person and listen to you speak or present or whatever it may be, is there an event coming up soon um, or sometime this year? Or which, which is the next one that you're going to be at in person that we can all come come check you out at? Yeah, so uh, this month I'll, I'll be at Inman. Um, mm. uh, I'll be on, a, on on stage at a couple couple different sessions there. CEO Connect, and then I'll be on the main stage with Brad Inman. Um, and then um, we actually, you know, have a, a we have a small number of people that can actually do it with. But we're going to bring the bell at Nasdaq this uh, wow. in. Uh, I think it's on the twenty second, and so that'll be that'll be fun. Uh, then I think a week later. I believe I'll be speaking at the build event in Maui. So for yep. those who make it to the, the event there, it goes obviously the, um, uh, then I think the next scheduled one, you probably be shareholders, uh, in terms of in, in real life. And that's in Orlando in May, but I know there'll be other things added to the mix. I just this week, I spoke at two different events in Florida. I'm back up in Washington right. state today. Um, and then I'm doing a lot of stuff online because I think online is something that, you know, anybody can do. And it actually is pretty leverageable from my perspective because I can be on, you know, two or three or four different stages in one day, Mm -hmm. uh, without, you know, leaving the comfort of my home. Agreed. And Hey, just to be a value add back to you, you know, my background, you're, you're a big deal. Now you're traveling Mm -hmm. a lot. If you, if you need security, (laughs) where you're, where your security and listen, you're too busy. If guys are interested in joining EXP and and they're wanting to be a part of you, but you're just too busy. Listen, we'll do your security (laughs) and we'll sign all these agents up at EXP. I'm sure there's a partnership we could figure out there. That's hilarious. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Good stuff. Glenn really appreciate the time and the extra time. Um, And man, just can't thank you enough. And we look forward to seeing you very soon back on these stages as we continue our competitive adventure into our own real estate growth. That's right. Awesome. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Eli. Thanks for your time, brother. Thank you, sir. All right, man. We'll see you, bud.